talk to everyone and make connections. You never know when the person you meet will help you. Hi, my name is Gabriella Denry, MD, life coach for physicians at Doc Working. And welcome to Doc Working, the whole physician podcast. And I'm so excited today because we are actually, as part of our mission at Doc Working, bringing in voices of medical students and their experiences and what they see for their future. And so I'm excited today to bring my wonderful guest who just completed her MS1, actually, her first year of medical school and entering her second one this fall, Rosa Maria Diaz. Thank you and welcome to the Doc Working Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And thank you for adding that voice. Let's start with your origin story. What made you decide to go down this path of becoming a medical doctor? So it was like a variety of things. When I was like a little kid, I wanted to be a doctor. But then as I kind of continued to grow, I kind of moved around a little bit. So I thought about like being a lawyer and then being a fashion merchandiser. And then in high school, my bio teacher was like, oh, you're really good at science. And I was like, yeah, but I don't really want to do science. And he was like, yeah, but you're really good at it. So you should try to go into the medical field or try it out. And I just started doing a whole bunch of medical programs. So at my medical school now, they have a high school program called the Minimed. And I did that for two years and I loved it. Like I loved it so much. I was like, yes, this is definitely something I want to do. And then I continued on and I volunteered at my local hospital. I did a program called the Medical Mentors. And we visited basically every single specialty in medicine. And it was interesting to see like the different dynamic of each. That was like one way that it kind of came together. And what I didn't realize like at the time when I was in high school is that I grew up with my grandmother in Portugal. Like I would go there every summer with my brother. And she lived in like a super farm style town. <laughs> where there was like no connection, the TV had four channels. And coming from the U.S. where we have access to everything and like internet at the snap of a finger, going there was like a culture shock. So there wasn't really much to do like kids here. Like we just had to like be outside and like have fun with dirt basically because there was nothing else there. So my grandmother, she was never able to go to school or get an education because of the time that she was born. It just like wasn't allowed. But she just happened to be the town nurse. It was always like so weird to me because I saw her doing all this like stuff, like homeopathic, like sort of medicine that she had learned along the way. And it like appealed to me because I was like, how is she able to do all of this with just so little? And I personally had dislocated my ankle and we were in the middle of like a mountain. There was absolutely no service, no nothing. And she just like put my ankle back into place, completely healed, perfectly fine. I have no issues with it now. So just that her using like the little tools that she has to like do so much and she didn't even know like how to read or write or have a formal education was just really interesting to me and like kind of pushed me towards that. And then I also shadowed a physician as well. And he was a black physician and most of his patients were also black. And it was interesting to see like their perspectives about the other doctors that they had been to because they loved him so much and they were like, doc, listen to me. Like I went to this other doctor. He didn't listen to me. He's not giving me like what I need. And he would go out of his way to get people the access that they needed. And he would just really listen to his patients if they told him, listen, like this medication's not working. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. He would be like, okay, let's try to work for you to get what you need and get the medication that you need, even though you can't afford it. So just all of that was just really interesting and kind of pushed me into medicine and like just try to give everyone access to care and like truly listen to my patients and move them forward. That's an interesting pathway. I mean, that just brings up a whole other line of questioning. I don't want to let grandmother go just yet. 
because I just had this flash in my brain about you as a practitioner gathering all these skills that you've learned even before going into medical school, you know, the value of listening to patients, the value of representation, your patient being able to trust you because you understand their experience and where they came from, to your grandmother's wisdom and how that would mix as you move forward in your own career and in your own life and perhaps your choices of specialty or, you know, whether integrative medicine or other things. Anyway, I just had that flash and I said, let me put it out there for you because that is such a fascinating story. So now that you're in medical school, you've made that choice, you sent in your applications and now you're in MS1 and you're starting in August, I guess. How did you find a way to deal with the pressures of being a first year medical student? So I applied early decision to my school. So I found out that I got in about two months after I applied. And it was the summer right before my senior year. So I had told myself that I had stressed out for three years to get to this point to where I am now. So I told myself I was going to take my senior year easy. So I didn't want to stress too much about it. Obviously, maintain my GPA and my grades. But I didn't want to be as like hard on myself or like I didn't really have the same sort of pressure on my back that like I needed to do this. So I told myself that I would relax and like really enjoy what I wanted to do. And then unfortunately, COVID hit us in March. (laughs) So we were all in lockdown. But even then, like I still just tried to do the things that I wanted to do, whether that was like going out to museums or like hanging out with my boyfriend or my family, just like really enjoy the things that I wasn't able to do before, I guess, as much. So that was like one thing. And then there was like a lot of chatter and it was like, oh, I'm going to like start studying before my first year, like in the summer. And like all this other stuff. And I sort of felt, oh my God, like, am I going to be behind? I felt like sort of like a pressure and just like imposter syndrome because I am a first generation student. So I didn't know like what I was getting myself into. Did you find that studying ahead of time and all these kind of wondering whether or not you should, is that something that you went for or you decided otherwise? So I didn't really study per se, but I did do a program in my medical school called FIRST which is for first-generation students and non-traditional students mainly. And mostly we were all like minorities in that group. And they just kind of like introduced it to us. There was like some learning, but it wasn't like to the degree. It was just sort of to introduce the material and like build connections with the upperclassmen and just kind of build that and try to figure out like what our study strategies would be. And it was just really nice because we also would hear from like physicians in different specialties And they would sort of give us their input, just giving us an idea of what we would like to choose in the future. Like we heard from the anesthesiologist and like her experiences and just like a whole bunch of inspiring stories that kind of like motivate us. And then we also like as a group just maintain like a really strong connection. Even into our first year, we had like our own separate group chat and we would just reach out to each other, telling each other like our sort of grievances that we were feeling. So like, oh, like I'm feeling out of place. Oh, my mom's not a doctor. So I feel so out of place in this group or whatever, so on and so forth. And it was just nice to have like that sort of unit that we could always relate to and, you know, share because they understood like what we were going through as well. And just like kind of make jokes and keep each other up to date on like, oh, this quiz is due or like, don't forget about this exam and like have a group to study with if we wanted to on Zoom because again, we were virtual. So people would be like, oh, I'm having a silent library at this time. Like, do you want to join? And it was just kind of having that community to relate to if we did need it. So even though I did a hardcore study, it was nice to do that program. I feel like the connections that I built were more important than the actual material that was taught. Stay tuned for more from today's guest after this important message from Board Vitals. 
Preparing for your board exam or looking for a quick and convenient way to earn CME? Study for your board exam and fulfill your CME requirements with Board Vitals. Board Vitals is the leading online board review platform with question banks and CME activities available in more than 50 medical and healthcare specialties. Board Vitals questions are loaded with detailed explanations, reference materials, and evidence-based rationales. And now you can take your studying on the go with Board Vitals mobile app. People who use Board Vitals question banks have a higher pass rate by 9% from the national average and an 18% reduction in study time. Board Vitals has helped more than 400,000 practitioners pass their board exams. They offer a free trial for all their question banks, and they offer a 100% pass guarantee when you sign up for a subscription of three months or more. Sign up today and get a special discount for being part of the Doc Working community by using the code DOCWORKING10. That's D-O-C-W-O-R-K-I-N-G and the number 10. That's a 10% discount code just for being part of our community with the discount code DOCWORKING10 for boardvitals.com. That's B-O-A-R-D-V-I-T-A-L-S.com. I'm going to switch topics a little bit because you're involved in so much. I mean, first of all, that whole idea of support, of connecting, of staying connected as a way to help you stay encouraged during this first year, because I have no doubt there were a lot of adjustments to make in this first year. And then there are other ways too that you've managed to put into your schedule. And I'm like, how did you do it? Your community work on top of your medical school work. Tell us more about that. So as of right now, I'm involved in three different programs, I guess you could say. So the first one is the Iron Bond Initiative, which I got introduced to like when I first started medical school. One of the upperclassmen that was involved reached out to me because he saw that my name was Portuguese. He was like, oh, are you Portuguese? And I was like, yes. And then he told me that they were looking for Portuguese speakers to work with the community. And basically what we do is we work with Mantana Global Care, which is a center in Newark. And we go there and it's basically, we work with undocumented and uninsured Brazilian and Portuguese immigrants. So we sort of screen them, we give them a survey and we ask them like general questions, their weight, their height. It's completely anonymous. They don't have to put their name. We just screen them and give them the resources that we need. So again, most of them are uninsured. So we give them the resources for them to get their foot in the door with healthcare, whether that be with our student and family healthcare clinic or with the ambulatory care center, which is affiliated with University Hospital. We give them those resources so they at least they have the choice to go and they know how much they're going to pay and everything. And then we also hand out fit kits, which if they haven't had a colonoscopy, we hand them out the paperwork and explain to them how to do it and sort of just let them know. Because the moment you tell them something, they're like, oh, how much does it cost? Like, how much do I have to pay? Which is a real fear. Like, most people are scared of, you know, going to a hospital because they can't afford it or because, like, they don't want to lose all their life savings because, you know, they have to have a colonoscopy. So we kind of just, like, try to ease their anxieties and, like, explain everything to them. You know, St. Michael's has a pink program where they do pap smears and it's free and, like, you can go in. And they're like, oh, is it really free? And I'm like, yes, it's really free. Like, you can go in. So it's just connecting them to the resources and kind of being the first place where they can, you know, get their foot in the door with healthcare and sort of feel comfortable when like maybe they haven't before. And they also ask like, oh, do they speak Portuguese there? And I'm like, some of them might, but you can ask for an interpreter, you know, just letting them know that there is an interpreter or there is a translator that they can reach out to. You know, language doesn't have to be a barrier for them. So that's one thing that I'm involved in. And then, as I mentioned, the student family and healthcare clinic. 
So this is a free clinic that is run by our school. So it's basically students in all years of medical school. And we kind of have different responsibilities based on the year. And basically, they schedule appointments with patients who want to come in. It is a free clinic. And we kind of get to practice our skills and like asking questions and taking history and like being with a patient and they get the care that they need. But again, it's just another opportunity to allow people who, again, don't have access to care come in. So that's another thing that I do. And then the final thing is I work with the Latino Student Medical Association and I'm the community outreach and mentorship chair. We also have another chair, Maria. So we work with Newark high schools and we give seminars and like panels to the high school students. They sort of ask us questions and we just kind of introduce them to the idea. It's so nice because I remember being a high school student and wanting to talk to someone who was in medical school and I didn't really have anyone until like I did mini med. So it's just nice to provide them with that, with someone they can actually talk to, because again, like most of them also are first generation. So they don't really know what they're getting themselves into. So that's one part. And then we also work with MAPS, which is the Minority Association for Professional Sciences at Rutgers Newark. And we work closely with their e-board and we host like a whole bunch of programs with them. We just did a health conference with them. They have a huge health conference and we ran two breakout rooms. One was like the application cycle. And then we also ran the clinical case, like to kind of introduce the idea of being in medical school and having a patient. But most of it is mentoring students. We're running like an application mentorship program right now. So we recruited two other mentors. It's three of us working on it. And we are just mentoring them on the application process, what they need, like answering any questions they have, whether it's the primary, the secondary, if they need like any sort of motivation, any encouragement to sort of keep going. Because I feel like it is stressful, especially with the pandemic. There wasn't a lot of communication with the people in undergrad and us. So a lot of it was virtual. And then just the fears of now applying to medical school and wondering, am I going to get in? The fear of rejection. So it's nice to be a voice, like a shoulder for them to kind of lean on and just express grievances and ask for advice and all of that. So those are the three that I'm highly involved in. Okay. Um <laughs> I'm absolutely not only just incredibly impressed, but so my next question for you is, how do you keep it all together with all of these pressures? I mean, how do you prioritize what you do and why? So for me, it's basically based on why I wanted to be a doctor in the first place. Again, with my grandmother, my biggest goal, I guess, is to provide access to care and care to people who don't have it, like can't reach it. So that's why I'm involved in the programs that I am involved in. And I have like a list of non-negotiables, <laughs> which to me, like sort of helps me maintain balance. So like going to the gym is a non-negotiable, regardless of what I have going on, I will go to the gym unless like I'm super stressed and it's my choice to sort of stay home and study. But I try not to do that a lot because then I just like go crazy. <laughs> so I always try to maintain that and go to the gym. And then also like education is really important to me and I love to learn. So I do obviously care about my school. So like those two things come first on my list. And then of course my family. So if it doesn't fit in with that, then I kind of just let it go or I'll let them know like, oh, I can't go today. So just trying to set boundaries between like my family and like school and all that stuff and the things that I want. Yeah, definitely helps me stay on track. All right. So I'm hearing having your non-negotiables, setting boundaries and remembering why you're doing this in the first place. Yeah. as part of the things that keep you going and your love of learning. So I think those are really four important points. But, you know, as you're talking about all that you're involved in, do you think that there's a certain pressure on incoming medical students or medical students that are currently in medical school to 
be involved in all these different things in order to, you know, make it look good on a resume or to for future concerns or academic or otherwise career concerns. I mean, you find that there is that pressure or not? Or is this something that you decided to do for yourself? So for me, I decided to do them because I sort of wanted to. There were other things that I could have done. We have something called CECL, which is like community enrichment service, I believe, learning. So we're like required to do a certain number of hours and we kind of get to pick what we want to do. I just happened to choose things that I was really interested in. Certain things I just wasn't interested or just it wasn't something that would like fill my cup, I guess. Again, these are things that I really like value and care about. My parents themselves dealt with like going to physicians who didn't understand or there was a language barrier. There's people in my family who have been undocumented and have, you know, gotten that huge bill like from getting a surgery that they really needed. There was no choice. And now they're kind of stuck with $20,000 that they have to pay and, you know, they can't afford it. So I sort of chose things that fit me and things that I was really passionate about. But I do feel that there is a pressure, especially being first generation. Like you're always worried if you're doing enough or if you could be doing more. And that's something that I definitely felt, you know, in medical school and then going through. I'm like, oh, this person has like 20 publications. (laughs) They're doing research and all these other things. And I'm just like, okay, like, should I be doing more? Is this enough? So I feel like there's always that pressure of is this enough? Like, do I really belong here? you know, sort of like trying to find your footing. But I will say for me, at least it was just finding things that I was really passionate and just not letting that get to me. It was just sort of, okay, they're doing this, but like, I'm me, that's not me. Like I don't have 20 publications, but I care about the community for real. So it was just staying true to myself and not letting like the chatter, I guess, get to me. Yeah. But I definitely feel like there is a pressure to, you know, do more and just always be better, I guess. Well, it sounds to me that you've made some very clear decisions about how you're going to personally deal with this pressure, that you're not going to cave into, I have to do things this way, that you've said, I'm going to make this my own and go for what you're passionate about and what you value and what's important to you and what you have learned from your family, your upbringing, your grandmother, and incorporate all of that. I'm just so impressed because that takes a lot of guts and a lot of courage. And I want to applaud you for that, to be able to say, nah, this is not that important to me. Let me go over here because this is what's important to me. Bravo, bravo, bravo. And so given all that we've talked about and given those kinds of things, you talked about boundaries and values and passion and going with what your heart tells you to go and what is important to you. What would you advise incoming medical students about dealing with those types of pressures and how to manage those pressures? So I guess the first thing would be something that I sort of struggled with is like being confident and being bold. Like basically we had a course on how to be a doctor essentially. And they would always ask us to volunteer. And like when I first started, I was so nervous. I was like, I'm not going to volunteer. Like unless they call on me, I'm not going to volunteer. Like I knew the stuff, my write-ups were great. And I just wouldn't volunteer. Like I was too scared. I just wasn't confident enough. And like what I learned like along the way is to be confident in myself. It's okay to mess up. So what I will say to incoming number one is just be confident, be bold, and just like take advantage of like every single opportunity. There was things that I missed out on just because I missed the deadline. And it was just something like silly that I could have done, but I just missed the deadline. Or I just wasn't confident. I was like, oh, maybe I don't have what they're looking for. So definitely what I started doing like midway that I wish I would have done in the beginning is just take advantage of more and just be confident in myself. The second thing I will say is balance. I feel like it's really, really easy to just sit down and study and just ignore everything else and be like, oh, I have to review 80 slides. Like we learned so much today and just 
getting bogged down in everything. So for me, just finding a way to organize that and just continue to do like the things that I enjoy doing. Again, like going to the gym, that's something that I really enjoyed and not forgetting the things that fill your cup, like that you really love. So for me, that was the community that I'm involved in and just going to the gym. So that's a second piece of advice. And I guess the third one would be to talk to everyone and like make connections. You never know when the person you meet will help you. I was on Instagram and I actually follow this medical student and she was like talking about how you never know the people that you meet, they're going to speak in rooms that you've never been. And that was just like a really powerful quote that now I'm just like, okay, that's so true. So again, just like talk to everyone and, you know, try to build a connection because you never know who you're going to need or how they're going to help you in the future or just provide you with like any sort of thing that you may need, whether that's research or, you know, just an opportunity to work on something that you're interested in that overlaps with what they're interested in. Rosa Maria, thank you so much. This has been such an enlightening conversation and thank you for your openness and your willingness to share about your experience and how you've made those decisions for you as you move forward. So one last question, what do you envision for yourself in terms of your career moving forward? So I don't know what specialty I'm interested in yet. I definitely want to be in a specialty where I can still maintain patient connection and like still connect with patients. And I still want to continue doing the things that I'm doing now, like basically mentoring students. That's one thing that I'm really passionate about. And I feel like if you see someone who kind of went through the same things as you, I went to Elizabeth High School. There wasn't many people who decided to go to medical school or even be a physician. We had like a handful of students. So I feel like if you can see someone who's like you, who has immigrant parents, who is a first generation, it kind of like motivates you to, you know, you can do it. So definitely continue to like mentor students. And then again, like continuing to provide access to care for people, regardless of their background especially underrepresented. When I used to work at the hospital in my local city, there were so many people who would just wait until like the last minute when they were like on their dying table, like, oh, let me go in now. At that point, it's too late. So just trying to provide access to care early and get them there, regardless if they're like uninsured or undocumented, like empowering them to get help and get care. So those are definitely like the two biggest things that I want to continue to do moving forward and making patients feel comfortable. I feel like it's really easy to go to the physician because I definitely do this sometimes. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, should I tell him that my toe is hurting? <laughs> like, should I? And then it's like, oh, it'll probably go away on its own. And, you know, you never really know, like it could be like something serious. And if you have like that connection and you trust and like feel comfortable with your provider, it's easier to like share those little things that, you know, might not be serious, but like they could be serious. So definitely creating a comfortable and trusting environment for the patients that I do have. This is so amazing. And this is an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being with us. A lot of wonderful wisdom, not just for medical students, for you, for the students coming after, but for, you know, folks like me, attending physicians and beyond, who can learn a thing or two as well by what you talked about today. So thank you, Rosa Maria, for being such a wonderful guest on Doc Working the Whole Physician podcast. And I hope we can invite you again at some future date. Thank you for having me. I would love to be back. Thanks all of you for tuning in to listen to this edition of Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. We have something new and exciting to tell you about, so I want you to hop over to docworking.com. Doc Working Thrive is getting ready to launch in a very short time. And what that is, is a subscription service for physicians. It includes an excellent self-paced course called STAT that is all about quick wins for living well. It is group coaching. 
It is a Facebook group where you have a chance to connect to other physicians and coaches to ask questions about things that are happening in your life. And it also includes weekly video tips to come and give you advice on important things in your life. So we're really excited about this. The price is almost too good to be true. It's so good. And I really think it's going to be a fabulous support network for physicians. So we hope you hop on over, check out Doc Working Thrive today. And until next time, we'll see you on Doc Working, the whole physician podcast. Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Amanda Taran. I'm the producer of the Doc Working Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like and subscribe. We would also love it if you checked out our website, which is docworking.com. And you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. On Instagram, we are docworking1, and that is with the number one. When you check us out on social, please let us know what you would like to hear on the podcast. Your feedback really means a lot to us. And if you're a physician with a story you'd like to tell, please reach out to me at amanda at docworking.com to apply to be on the podcast. Thank you again, and we look forward to talking with you on the next episode of Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast.